Part 6 of The Life of St. Anthony by St. Athanasius. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. 64. And another, a person of rank, came to him, possessed by a demon. And the demon was so terrible that the man possessed did not know that he was coming to Anthony, but he even ate the excreta from his body. So those who brought him besought Anthony to pray for him. And Anthony, pitying the young man, prayed and kept watch with him all night. And about dawn, the young man suddenly attacked Anthony, and gave him a push. But when those who came with him were angry, Anthony said, Do not be angry with the young man, for it is not he, but the demon which is in him. And being rebuked and commanded to go into dry places, the demon became raging mad, and he has done this. Wherefore, give thanks to the Lord, for his attack on me thus is a sign of the departure of the evil spirit. When Anthony had said this, straight away the young man had become whole, and having come at last to his right mind, knew where he was, and saluted the old man, and give thanks to God. 65. And many monks have related with the greatest agreement and unanimity that many other such like things were done by him. But still these do not seem as marvelous as certain other things appear to be. For once, when about to eat, having risen up to pray about the ninth hour, he perceived that he was caught up in the spirit. And, wonderful to tell, he stood and saw himself, as it were, from outside himself, and that he was led in the air by certain ones. Next, certain bitter and terrible beings stood in the air and wished to hinder him from passing through. But when his conductors opposed him, they demanded whether he was not accountable to them. And when they wished to sum up the account from his birth, Anthony's conductors stopped them, saying, The Lord has wiped out the sins from his birth, but from the time he became a monk, and devoted himself to God, it is permitted you to make a reckoning. Then when they accused him and could not convict him, his way was free and unhindered, and immediately he saw himself, as it were, coming and standing by himself, and again he was Anthony as before. Then forgetful of eating, he remained the rest of the day, and through the whole of the night groaning and praying. For he was astonished when he saw against what mighty opponents our wrestling is, and by what labors we have to pass through the air. And he remembered that this is what the apostle said, according to the prince of the power of the air, for in it the enemy has power to fight and to attempt to hinder those who pass through. Wherefore most earnestly he exhorted, Take up the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, that the enemy, having no evil thing to say against us, may be ashamed. And we who have learned this, let us be mindful of the apostle when he says, Whether in the body I know not, or whether out of the body I know not, God knows. But Paul was caught up unto the third heaven, and having heard things unspeakable, he came down. While Anthony thought that, he had come to the air, and contended until he was free. 66. And he had also this favor granted him. For as he was sitting alone on the mountain, if ever he was in perplexity in his meditations, this was revealed to him by providence in prayer. And the happy man, as it is written, was thought of God. After this, when he once had a discussion with certain men who had come to him concerning the state of the soul, and of what nature its place will be after his life. The following night, one from above called him, saying, Anthony, rise, go out, and look. Having gone out therefore, for he knew whom he ought to obey, looking up, 
he behold one standing and reaching to the clouds, tall, hideous, and fearful, and others ascending as though they were winged. And the figure stretched forth his hand, and some of those who were ascending were stayed by him, while others flew above, and having escaped heavenward, were borne aloft free from care. At such, therefore, the giant gnashed his teeth, but rejoiced over those who fell back, and forthwith a voice came to Anthony, Understandest thou what thou see? And his understanding was open, and he understood that it was the passing of souls, and that the tall being who stood was the enemy who envies the faithful, and those whom he caught and stopped from passing through are accountable to him, while those whom he was unable to hold as they passed upward had not been subservient to him. So having seen this, and as it were being reminded, he struggled the more daily to advance towards those things which were before. And these visions he was unwilling to tell, but as he spent much time in prayer, and was amazed when those who were with him pressed him with questions and forced him, he was compelled to speak, as a father who cannot withhold aught from his children. And he thought that as his conscience was clear, the account would be beneficial for them, that they might learn that discipline bore good fruit, and that visions were oftentimes the solace of their labors. 67. Added to this, he was tolerant in disposition, and humble in spirit, for though he was such a man, he observed the rule of the church most rigidly, and was willing that all clergy should be honored above himself, for he was not ashamed to bow his head to bishops and presbyters, and if ever a deacon came to him for help, he discoursed with him on what was profitable, but gave place to him in prayer, not being ashamed to learn himself, for often he would ask questions and desired to listen to those who were present, and if anyone said anything that was useful, he confessed that he was profited, and besides, his countenance had a great and wonderful grace, his gift also he had from the Saviour, for if he were present in a great company of monks, and anyone who did not know him previously wished to see him, immediately coming forward he passed by the rest, and hurried to Anthony, as though attracted by his appearance, yet neither in height nor breadth was he conspicuous above others, but in the serenity of his manner and the purity of his soul. For as his soul was free from disturbances, his outward appearance was calm. So from the joy of his soul he possessed a cheerful countenance, and from his bodily movements could be perceived the condition of his soul, as it is written, When the heart is merry, the countenance is cheerful, but when it is sorrowful it is cast down, Thus Jacob recognized the counsel Laban had in his heart, and said to his wives, The countenance of your father is not as it was yesterday, and the day before. Thus Samuel recognized David, for he had merciful eyes, and teeth white as milk. Thus Anthony was recognized, for he was never disturbed, for his soul was at peace. He was never downcast, for his mind was joyous. 68. And he was altogether wonderful in face and religious, for he never held communion with the Miletian schismatics, knowing their wickedness and apostasy from the beginning, nor had he friendly dealings with the Manetians or any other heretics, for if he had, only as far as advice that they would change to pity, for he thought and asserted that intercourse with these was harmful and destructive to the soul. In the same manner also he loathed the heresy of the Arians, and exhorted all neither to approach them, nor to bold their erroneous belief. 
And once one certain Aryan madman came to him, when he had questioned them and learned their impiety, he drove them from the mountain, saying that their words were worse than the poison of serpents. 69. And once also the Aryans, having lyingly asserted that Anthony's opinion were the same as theirs, he was displeased and rose against them. Then being summoned by the bishops and all the brethren, he descended from the mountain, and having entered Alexandria, he denounced the Arians, saying that their heresy was the last of all, and the forerunner of Antichrist. And he taught the people that the Son of God was not a created being, neither had he come into being from non-existence, but that he was the eternal word and wisdom of the essence of the Father. And therefore it was impious to say, there was a time when he was not, for the word was always coexistent with the Father. Wherefore, have no fellowship with the most impious Arians, for there is no communion between light and darkness. For you are good Christians, but they, when they say that the Son of the Father, the Word of God, is a created being, differ in not from the heathen, since they worship that which is created, rather than God the Creator. But believe ye that the creation itself is angry with them, because they number the Creator, the Lord of all, by whom all things came into being, with those things which were originated. 70. All the people, therefore, rejoiced when they heard the anti-Christian heresy anathematized by such a man, and all the people in the city ran together to see Anthony, and the Greeks and those who are called their priests came into the church, saying, We ask to see the man of God, for so they all called him. For in that place also the Lord cleansed many of demons, and healed those who were mad. And many Greeks asked that they might even but touch the old man, believing that they should be profited. Assuredly, as many became Christians in those days, as one would have seen made in a year. Then when some thought that he was troubled by the crowds, and on this account turned them all away from him, he said undisturbingly that there were not more of them than of the demons with whom he wrestled in the mountain. 71. But when he was departing, and were setting him forth on his way, as we arrived at the gate, a woman from behind cried out, Stay thou, man of God, my daughter is grievously vexed by a devil. Stay, I beseech thee, lest I too harm myself was running. And the old man, when he heard her, and was asked by us, willingly stayed. And when the woman drew near, the child was cast on the ground. But when Anthony had prayed, and called upon the name of Christ, the child was raised whole, for the unclean spirit was gone forth, and the mother blessed God, and all gave thanks, and Anthony himself also rejoiced, departing to the mountain as though it were to his own home. 72. And Anthony also was exceeding prudent, and the wonder was that, although he had not learned letters, he was a ready-witted and sagacious man. At all events, two Greek philosophers once came, thinking they could try their skill on Anthony, and he was in the outer mountain. And having recognized who they were from their appearance, he came to them and said to them by means of an interpreter, Why, philosophers, did ye trouble yourself so much to come to a foolish man? And when they said he was not a foolish man, but exceedingly prudent, he said to them, If you come to a foolish man, your labor is superfluous. But if you think me prudent, become as I am, for we ought to imitate what is good. And if I had come to you, I should have imitated you. But if you to me, become as I am, for I am a Christian. But they departed with wonder, 
for they saw that even demons feared Anthony. 73. And again others such as these met him in the outer mountain, and thought to mock him, because he had not learned letters. And Anthony said to them, What say ye? Which is first, mind or letters? And which is the cause of which, mind of letters or letters of mind? And when they answered, Mind is first, and the inventor of letters, Anthony said, Whoever therefore has a sound mind has not need of letters. This answer amazed both the bystanders and the philosophers, and they departed, marveling that they had seen so much understanding in an ignorant man, for his manners were not rough as though he had been reared in the mountain, and there grown old, but graceful and polite, and his speech was seasoned with the divine salt, so that no one was envious, but rather all rejoiced over him who visited him. 74. After this again certain others came, and these were men who were deemed wise among the Greeks. And they asked him a reason for our faith in Christ. But when they attempted to dispute concerning the preaching of the divine cross, and meant to mock, Anthony stopped for a little, and first pitying their ignorance said, through an interpreter, who could skillfully interpret his words? Which is more beautiful, to confess the cross, or to attribute to those whom you call gods adultery and the seduction of boys? For that which is chosen by us is a sign of courage, and a sure token of the contempt of death, while yours are the passions of licentiousness. Next, which is better, to say that the word of God was not changed, but being the same, he took a human body for the salvation and well-being of man, that having shared in human birth, he might make man partake in the divine and spiritual nature, or to liken the divine to senseless animals, and consequently to worship four-footed beasts, creeping things, and the likeness of men. For these things are the objects of reverence of you wise men. But how do you dare to mock us? Who say that Christ has appeared as man? Seeing that you, bringing the soul from heaven, assert that it has strayed and fallen from the vault of the sky into body. And would that you had said that it had fallen into human body alone, and not asserted that it passes and changes into four-footed beasts and creeping things. For our faith declares that the coming of Christ was for the salvation of men. But you err because you speak of soul, as not generated. And we, considering the power and loving kindness of providence, think that the coming of Christ in the flesh was not impossible with God. But you, although calling the soul the likeness of mind, connect it with false and feign in your myth that it is changeable, and consequently introduce the idea that mind itself is changeable by reason of the soul. For whatever is the nature of a likeness, such necessarily is the nature of that of which it is a likeness. But whenever you think such a thought concerning mind, remember that you blaspheme even the father of mind himself. 75. But concerning the cross, which would you say to be the better? To bear it when a plot is brought about by wicked men, nor to be in fear of death, brought about under any form whatever, or to prate about the wanderings of Osiris and Isis, the plots of Typhon, the flight of Cronus, his eating his children, and the slaughter of his father. For this is your wisdom. But how, if you mock the cross, do you not marvel at the resurrection? For the same men who told us of the latter wrote the former. Or why, when you make mention of the cross, are you silent about the dead who were raised, the blind who received their sight, 
the paralytics who were healed, the lepers who were cleansed, the walking upon the sea, and the rest of the signs and wonders, which show that Christ is no longer a man, but God. To me you seem to do yourselves much injustice, and not to have carefully read our scriptures, but read and see that the deeds of Christ prove him to be God, came upon earth for the salvation of men. 76. But do you tell us your religious beliefs? What can you say of senseless creatures, except senselessness and ferocity? But if, as I hear, you wish to say that these things are spoken of by you as legends, and you allegorize the rape of the maiden, Persephone of the earth, the lameness of Hephaestus of fire, and allegorize the air as Hera, the sun as Apollo, the moon as Artemis, and the sea as Poseidon, nonetheless you do not worship God himself, but serve the creature rather than God, who created all things. For if because creation beautiful you compose such legends, Still it was fitting that you should stop short at admiration and not make gods of things created, so that you should not give the honor of the Creator to that which is created, since if you do, it is time for you to divert the honor of the master builder to the house built by him, and of the general to the soldier. What then can you reply to these things, that we may know whether the cross has anything worthy of mockery? 77. But when they were at a loss, turning hither and thither, Anthony smiled and said, again through an interpreter, Sight itself carries the convention of these things. But as you prefer to lean upon demonstrative arguments, and as you, having this art, wish us also not to worship God, until after such proof, do you tell first how things in general, and specially the recognition of God, are accurately known? Is it through demonstrative argument or the working of faith? And which is better, faith which comes through the inworking of God, or demonstration by arguments? And when they answered that faith which comes through the inworking was better and was accurate knowledge, Anthony said, You have answered well. For faith arises from disposition of soul, but dialectic from the skill of its inventors. Wherefore, to those who have the inworking through faith, demonstrative argument is needless, or even superfluous. For what we know through faith, this you attempt to prove through words. And often you are not even able to express what we understand, so the inworking through faith is better and stronger than your professional arguments. 78. We Christians, therefore, hold the mystery not in the wisdom of Greek arguments, but in the power of faith, richly supplied to us by God through Jesus Christ. And to show that this statement is true, behold now. Without having learned letters, we believe in God, knowing through his works his providence over all things. And to show that our faith is effective, so now we are supported by faith in Christ, but you by professional logomachines. The portents of the idols among you are being done away, but our faith is extending everywhere. You, by your arguments and quibbles, have converted none from Christianity to paganism. We, teaching the faith on Christ, expose your superstition, since all recognize that Christ is God, and the Son of God. You, by your eloquence, do not hinder the teaching of Christ, but we, by the mention of Christ crucified, put all demons to flight, whom you fear, as if they were gods. Where the sign of the cross is, magic is weak, and witchcraft has no strength. 79. 
Tell us, therefore, where your oracles are now. Where are the charm of the Egyptians? Where the delusions of the magicians? Where did all these things cease and grow weak, except when the cross of Christ arose? Is it then a fit subject for mockery, and not rather the things brought to naught by it, and convicted of weakness? For this is a marvelous thing, that your religion was never persecuted, but even was honored by men in every city, while the followers of Christ are persecuted, and still our side flourishes and multiplies over yours. What is yours, though praised and honored, perishes, while the face and teaching of Christ, though mocked by you and often persecuted by kings, has filled the world. For when has the knowledge of God so shone forth? Or when has self-control and the excellence of virginity appeared as now? Or when has death been so despised except when the cross of Christ has appeared? And this no one doubts when he sees the martyr despising death for the sake of Christ. When he sees for Christ's sake the virgins of the church, keeping themselves pure and undefiled. End of part 6